2: Welcome to the Atlantic. We are your host, music web designer Ross Barber, owner of Electric Kiwi, where we create awesome custom websites for bands, artists, and musicians. And I'm award-winning
0: singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and indie filmmaker, Murray Novelli.
2: Today on the show, we're joined by independent music industry powerhouse, Ariel Hyatt. Ariel is the director of Cyber PR, a New York-based online PR agency who work with musicians and entrepreneurs. Over the past 18 years, Arielle and our team have helped over 1,800 clients rock their online presence.
0: Arielle has also spoken at events and conferences in 12 countries and has released three books on the subject of social media for artists, with a new book in the works. We're excited to welcome her to the show to hear her insights and learn from her experiences. Hey, hey how's Arielle? it going?
1: Hi. <laughs> That was a very funny intro. For those of you listening, you will not know what just happened, but we started this off on the right foot. Not it's unless coming- they
0: go and check out the outtakes. That will <laughs> definitely make their way onto the internet.
1: That was the smoothest
0: and, introduction. I swear, I didn't stumble I my words. And I think Ariel
2: can probably send people to those outtakes whenever someone says her name wrong.
1: That's right. Which is a <laughs> lifelong battle for me. So I, I like appreciate that. that anyone even asks.
2: So, Ariel, you and I have known each other for a couple of years now. So I'm interested to know, what are the three things about yourself that everyone should know that they might not already know?
1: Oh, three things. Number one, I am a person who loves cats. I I love cats. Um, I rescued a little tabby cat, and every year I run a charity drive to... Uh, raise money for the ASPCA, um, and that's sort of my my little give back to my city. There's actually a huge cat problem here in New York City and lots of feral cats in Brooklyn. Uh, the second thing about me you might not know is I love to cook and bake. You're actually in my kitchen right now. That is my cookbook collection, and um, that is my way as a crazy entrepreneur to sort of stop thinking about status updates and clients and let go of things. Uh, The third thing you might not know about me is um, I am the daughter of an entrepreneur. I am uh, very proud to have grown up in an entrepreneurial family, which I think makes it a little bit easier when it comes to helping artists. My mom was an entrepreneur. My dad was an artist. So I had... I had two very interesting, um, outlooks, you know, watching one go through, uh, how hard it is to be a working artist and watching the other go through how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. And my parents just celebrated their 49th wedding anniversary. So, uh, what I do actually is pretty much in my DNA.
2: Apparently. So with your company, Cyber PR, you've worked with over 1800 music clients. I'm curious to know what have been some of your highlights over the past 18 years.
1: Wow. Um, Well, a recent highlight has been to work with Chris Barron from the Spin Doctors. And I grew up in the 90s in New York City. I'm actually born and raised here. Um, And... You know, when Chris called, it was really hard not to. The inner dialogue was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And the outer dialogue was, how can I help you? Um, so it it was a real thrill because I was a big fan and went to the shows way before they got signed and started touring even uh, the whole United States. So it's always fun when an icon from my past or my childhood comes on board. Those are always tremendous highlights. Um, I would say another highlight is just working right now um, with an author whose name is John Kellogg and he's one of the chairs of the Berkeley College of Music and that's a fun project because I get to reach out to people like you guys and other friends in the industry who do what we do, spread a lot of great information for artists and it's nice to actually get to present a client to my colleagues. So that's been a fun project. There are so many highlights. We've represented so many artists. It's really hard to choose just one.
0: Cool. I I understand that feeling of just getting to meet someone that that you've <laughs> admired for so long, and particularly getting to work with them. And you know, you want to play it cool, but on the inside, you are just like that twelve year old little child.
1: Like, ah! up like ah! I mean, there's oh, yeah. this
0: I'll just multiple I mean, moments of that.
1: It's mm-hmm. so great, you know. And here's like sort of the hilarious aside. They have a famous song called "What Time Is It?" Um, and for anyone who's a fan, the, the the line in the song is "What time is it?" It's four thirty. So a few weeks ago, we're on the phone. He's like, "Yeah, so when should we talk next?" He's like, "How How about next Wednesday at four And I was like, oh "Like, you know, just total That's nerd, amazing. total total nerd <laughs> moment." It's like, "Wow, I'm gonna try not to be fangirl here. I'm gonna try to be composed." <laughs> You know, Twitter expert or whatever, hilarious.
2: So you've also run uh, some very successful crowdfunding campaigns, both for your own projects and for your clients. Can you maybe give us a couple of tips into running a successful campaigns? Because I think it's something that a lot of artists have questions about.
1: Yes, indeed. Um, the first thing I would say about effective crowdfunding is it's probably not what you think it is. You know, a lot of times. When people call me and they want coaching for crowdfunding, they immediately start talking about how much social media they have. I have this many on Facebook, I have this many Twitter followers, and I say, well, that's actually statistically where less than 10% of your um, money is gonna come in. You know, another major thing that I hear often from people looking to crowdfund is, well, people will just discover my project on Kickstarter. And that's actually another thing. Not a lot of people um, just randomly go to Kickstarter and see, oh, what's been posted this week that I don't know of and let me give money. So where you're really going to get your success with funding is from the people that you know. And that's the that's the kind of mind bend that's painful when you go for crowdfunding because you sort of want to hide behind, you know, uh, a platform like Kickstarter or Rocket Hub or um, you know whatever you decide. Indiegogo. Indiegogo or, of course, Pledge. You know, you think I'm just going to put that up there and and blast it out to my socials, maybe one newsletter, but that is not how you have to do it. You have to aggressively pinpoint who the people in your life are, who you think will support you. You need to ask personally. You need to get away from your computer. You need to make phone calls. It's so it can be very, very uncomfortable when you're trying to fund. um, If you don't know that that's definitely going to be part of the picture.
0: Oh, definitely. I can relate to that. I I partially crowdfunded my uh, debut full length solo album and, uh, it worked out, but it definitely wasn't easy. You don't just post it up there and share it with your following and think that that's it. You have to interact with people, but it's got to be authentic. You can't just be asking people for money, you know, but it's the people that you know do want to support you that they just might out of senior updates and they just want to know personally that, yeah, you want them to help you and they're happy to do it.
1: Totally, and people mm-hmm. are so busy. You have to remember, like they saw it, they meant to give. It's not personal. It's so easy when you begin to line up and ask everyone in the world you've ever met for money to begin to take it really personally. Oh yeah, um, and a lot of the coaching that I do around that is—it's half of it is just talking people off the ledge, like "Don't worry, you didn't offend anyone. It's just we're all so busy, we don't have time."
0: Do you not find there's also a balance not to? Uh like completely drive people crazy and uh, overdo it but also being able to put your pride aside and just ask people like there there were a few people I never would have thought to ask but I needed the money to make an album and I just sent them a simple personalized message on Facebook it can't be this mass crap it has to be a particular message just ask how they're doing and be authentic and there were some people that that contributed I surprised me absolutely surprised me yep
1: right? that's that's right that's yeah. that's part of it yeah
2: cool this actually brings us to a listener question uh sean from the podcast no totally which is an awesome show he wants to know how do you know when you're worthy of other people's money when it comes to crowdfunding
1: oh gosh you know (laughs) it's funny that a man would ask that um it's it's a very female question i think (laughs) because i think women struggle a lot with worth And over delivering and, you know, having to prove our worth. So that's amazing. It came from a man. Um, I like to always look to people that I admire deeply in this field. And let's go to Seth Godin for this one. Um, And what Seth talks about is remarkability. So, if you are remarkable, that means that someone believes in you enough that they remark to their friends, "Hey, you should listen to Bridge of the Atlantic; it's a great podcast." Or, "Hey, you should oh, try okay. <laughs> you should try uh, working with Cyber PR; they're a great agency." You know, that's remarkable. Um, and I think what I see a lot, especially around crowdfunding, is if you're not remarkable, if, if you don't have a little. Rolling Stone happening already, meaning if you don't have a list, if you don't have fans, it's going to be very difficult to crowdfund. So I think worthiness and remarkability live in the same sphere, um, that that when you're on to something, the numbers will be rising, not falling. The people will be coming, not going. You know. So those are things that I think you definitely need to look at. Um and, you know, this is a really tricky question, too, because in this day and age, especially in the music business, like nobody's making any money, really, until you're a couple years in and you're on the road and you've got some strategies for that. A couple years in. <laughs> right, exactly. Seven mm-hmm. or eight. You're
0: so, you know. you're so generous with that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we work with a lot of newbies that it's their first album or it's their first album in the digital age. They come from the old paradigm and they're horrified. You know, mm-hmm. we worked with an artist she got 140,000 plays on Pandora And got a check for two dollars and fifty eight cents. You know, that's a really that's that's it's it's tricky at best to feel worthy when the amount of money that you're getting paid is not so great.
0: And that's a
2: whole other subject in itself.
1: Absolutely.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And you're also working on a new book about crowdfunding. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know things have changed since uh, you initially announced it quite a while ago and uh,
1: <laughs> some good things, some good things have happened. I feel like the, the girl that cried wolf with this one, I swear. Um, I did intend to release a book called Crowd Start, which I wrote top to bottom. And actually, really good news, I found an agent. He loved the book but thought that I could write a much better, stronger book. And so we are back to the drawing board. So um, – It's going to be a little while, but I definitely will be putting something out about crowds. And in 2016, I will be launching a course, a 30-day course, for how to run an effective crowdfunding campaign. So definitely I've got that up my sleeves for next year.
0: Can you give us a little uh, preview on that by giving us uh, maybe a couple really important tips that artists can use when uh, starting a crowdfunding campaign?
1: Yeah, the first tip is really think about what could you provide that could be really fun and extraordinary and special. So the offers are key. And just you know, a copy of my album or a download or whatever might not be super special. You might want to create a special event, a white party or a dinner under the stars, or go bowling with me. I don't know. You could come up with a million things. Um, so I think that's definitely one thing to keep in mind. The another thing to keep in mind is really being careful about like you said, who do you know, who can you contact personally, not only on Facebook but everywhere else. And really, you know, part of part of this the 30-day plan I talk about talks about identifying your VIPs, 50 of them, a hundred of them, and actually putting on a spreadsheet. Here's my fifty or a hundred targets. And this is how much money I think each one of them might even be good for. So that way you can begin to have a sense of how much money to ask for. Because I think a lot of times we just make up in our minds, oh, I need $10,000, I need $40,000, I need fifty. dollars whatever you need, might not be in alignment with what you can actually do. So the new 30-day process takes you through this VIP it's a spreadsheet, really. You put first name, last name, how much money you think people are good for, and then you won't have any big shocks at the end of your campaign.
2: I like this. I yeah. like this. You said the word spreadsheet, and you kind of won me over because I, I do <laughs> love a good spreadsheet.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't think musicians are so awesome at spreadsheets. It's not in, our, in their DNA, but, you know, it's organizing like that that I think is really going to make the difference.
0: Absolutely. You know, and and speaking about making the difference and planning, um, what should an artist do before, during, and after working with a publicist?
1: Oh, boy. So before you work with a publicist, ask yourself, do I really need to be working with a publicist? I think there is a horrible party line in the business, which is hire a publicist. Um, And I think a lot of artists get that advice because a publicist and a radio plugger are probably the two people that will actually answer your phone call. So for artists that are listening, understand that if you're going to hire a publicist, you are in the driver's seat. It is a buyer's market. There are hundreds of us out there. Um, So the first thing you want to make sure you do is ask yourself, why do I want publicity? What type of publicity do I want? And what's my bigger picture? Because just getting publicity for publicity's sake doesn't really do a lot it's very nice. You can have a, you know, some reviews to put in your press kit or some links to share on social media, but what's your bigger picture? So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say about pre-preparing for hiring a publicist is really talk to, talk to at least three. Publicists are fabulous at sales. They have to be because they have to pitch writers and bloggers all day long, which is a very difficult job. Um, so really my favorite clients are the ones that come to us and they, they have expectations that we know we can meet that are reasonable. You know, if I had a penny for every time an artist told me they want to be on pitchfork, I'd be a millionaire.
0: That's the same thing. Another one of our guests, Angela,
2: messed.
1: totally nightmare. It's like, I mean, look, I've been in 22 years. So today's Pitchfork is yesterday's Rolling Stone. And, you know, every artist would come to me and be like, I want to be in Rolling Stone. I want to be in Billboard. You know, those always, were always the two. Now it's Pitchfork, Stereo Gum, Brooklyn Vegan. Just because you Google music blog, and those are the, the three things that pop up first, doesn't mean that you're worthy of getting in those blogs. So we have a lot of conversations with artists about this. You might not make music that's Pitchfork worthy you might not be ready for Pitchfork. You know, a lot of artists that seem like they come out of nowhere and get featured there have actually been doing it for many, many years. So um, that's the second thing. What are your expectations? And I would, during a campaign, really, really make sure that your publicist is managing your expectations and you are managing what's actually real for your publicist, which is it takes even the best PR person sometimes 30 times reaching out to people to even get them to say no. It sucks being a publicist because people are busy, their inboxes are totally inundated and you're trying to cut through the noise. You're working something. There's probably 2,000 releases a week. There's hundreds of publicists. We're all trying to get to the same people. Understand that this is not easy. And then I would say after your campaign is over, when you've gotten all your wins and you've got your stack of publicity, you want to figure out a plan for leveraging. What are you going to do with that PR? Are you going to put it on your website? Are you going to make a social media campaign where you tweet it out and Facebook it out and really showcase it? What about making images and putting it on your Instagram? You want to show that all this stuff happened. Now, that doesn't mean you go on a bragging campaign. You have to mix that up with other content, of course. And then what are you going to do with that PR? Are you going to take it to managers, labels? Are you going to continue to try to get PR for yourself by leveraging what's already been happening in your next cycle? You know, you have to ask yourself, what's the purpose of all of this press? So pre-prepare, totally figure out who the best person for the job is and talk to a few during, manage your own expectations and after, have a plan.
0: Awesome. Are you ready for 20 questions? I am. Cool. I'm going to kick this one
2: off with coffee or tea.
1: Coffee.
2: Meat or veggies? Veggies. CD or vinyl?
1: CD.
0: Summer or winter?
1: Oh, summer.
0: Yoga or
2: yogurt?
1: Yoga or yogurt?
2: Yeah.
1: I don't even know what you're talking
0: about. (laughs) Which one do you prefer?
1: I don't know what yoga is.
0: Yoga, yoga, yoga.
1: Oh, yoga. <laughs> <laughs> what did yoga. You think,
0: what did you think you said?
1: Well, I have a friend named Yoka, and I'm like, I'm talk- talking about Dutch people. Yeah, that's
0: how, that's how good our research is. Is it yoga or is it yogurt?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yoga. Funny Scottish accent. Oh I know.
2: Gosh. That gets everyone. Oh Twitter God. or Facebook? Twitter. Breaking Bad or Orange is the New Black?
1: Breaking bad.
2: James
0: Brown or James Taylor? Oh
1: James Brown.
0: Canada
2: or Scotland?
1: Scotland. Oh. That's oh
0: hey, I guess it never wins, so it it can it can get one. Yeah, it rarely wins. Lindy <laughs> Dion or Marilyn Manson?
1: Marilyn Manson.
0: Oh, I like you.
2: <laughs> I
0: liked you before, but now I like you. Even more.
2: The Beatles or the Rolling Stones?
1: The Rolling Stones.
0: Manhattan or Brooklyn?
1: Manhattan.
0: By the way, I just, I feel like I put a D at the end of that. It looks kind (laughs) of like I I said Brooklyn. 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 I I live in Brooklyn,
1: but I'm born and raised in Manhattan. So I I gotta, gotta, you know. Represent.
2: Gotta rep. Now, this one might be tough. I'm gonna make you pick between Walter White or Jesse Pinkman.
1: Oh. Jesse. Oh.
0: Ryan Adams or Brian Adams?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, Brian Adams tickets just went on sale today, and I am a child of the 80s. I'm going with Brian.
0: Yeah, I used to listen to Brian Adams all the time when I was Kate younger. I Patton. love it. Great singer-songwriter.
2: Love it. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton?
1: <laughs> <Power> <laughs> Michael Jackson, all the way.
0: Twerk or Work.
1: Work.
2: Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin?
1: Oh, Ricky Martin. Really? Oh, God, yes. I mean, oh. I'm old enough that that Grammy moment <laughs> is still an actual Grammy moment, you know, when we realized, wait a minute, look at that rock star.
0: Who, Ricky Martin?
1: <laughs> yeah. You clearly don't know what I'm talking about.
2: I have no I, idea. <laughs> I don't know I, what I'm talking about.
1: That's because I'm old and you guys aren't. So I recommend you go back and you Google... You Google La Vida Loca, Ricky Martin, Grammy. When he wins
0: it? Performance. Oh, performance. When he comes
1: out and kills it. No one had heard that song. No one had heard that song. Oh, this
0: is before. Okay.
1: Yeah, that was back when the labels made plays, and that was a major play.
0: Wow. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Whale or Kale. (laughs) Kale. Good choice. Do you cook
2: with Kale?
1: I do. Good. I
2: do. Good. Good. Bet Midler or the Riddler?
1: Oh, Bet Midler all the way. And finally,
0: last question, to make things extra awkward, Ross or Marcio? <laughs> ah. Keep in mind, you already picked Scotland. <laughs>
1: I did, and, you know, history prevails. Going <laughs> with Ross, sorry. <sighs> <sighs>
2: <laughs> well, considering you guys know each other, I would actually be offended if you picked me over Ross. So would I. I think I'd be more offended and upset and heartbroken well, and all those things.
0: That's that's why I was yeah. saying that's how offended you'd be, that I'd even be offended because you'd be offended. You know what I mean? It would go that deep. That deep. I don't know what I'm saying anymore.
2: Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Before we wrap things up, uh, I would just like to ask you how you think publicity has changed in the social media age and what artists can do to get the best results from their PR campaign?
1: Oh, wow. It's changed rapidly. It's changed forever. It's no longer a question of, you know, them over there and us. And we need this magical person to bridge the gap. Although... The more artists I work with, the more I realize that you actually do need us to bridge the gap because y'all don't know what you're doing, which is, you know, expected. But um, I say that with love. Um, Just because you have the Twitter handle of the writer that you might want to have cover you, that does not mean that they're going to. And I think social media makes it feel like everybody's invited to the party. But I think strategy is still super key in, in, in all of this. And understanding your target is something that a vast majority of artists don't take the time to do. You don't have to. But if you want to do your own publicity and do it well and do it effectively, that's what you're going to have to do. The reason why Brooke runs my PR campaigns is because Brooke eats and sleeps and breathes and lives which bloggers are doing what, what they like, where they write for. And she watches them very carefully before she ever approaches them. And that's actually what it takes to get a good effect. Um, So that that is something that's actually never changed in publicity. It's just now a quick Google search will allow you, the client, the artist, the person on the other side, to very easily identify and find who those writers are. And that is where it feels like there's a major power shift. So just because I used to have a magical list and a mailing list and a phone number of, you know, phone call, phone number, I used to have a phone book, that's all gone. Obviously, we've got emails, we've got Twitter, we've got people all over Instagram, easy to get to them. That does not necessarily mean that you've got the right time and the right attitude and the right way to approach them. So... Another thing is social media and PR are now very much the same thing, right? Like a really great tweet from a really high-profile person can get you just as far as an article or a blurb or anything. So these things are now intertwined, and that cannot be ignored. Anyone that's doing PR and they're not bringing social media into the picture, I would question very, very deeply.
2: What can artists do to get the best results from their PR campaign?
1: I mean, really, do your homework. If you're doing your own PR, there are so many fabulous people in the world that are writing articles about how to be effective. I actually just read Ari Hersted's blog this morning, and I found that how to, how to get your music on podcasts" article, which is fabulous from Ari's take. And, you know, I read it, and I thought, oh, wow, this is a lot of work. But the cool thing is, it's all there. If you're willing to do the work, it's there. And that's, that's very cool. Um, have targets, and please, God, don't make your target pitch war. Please don't do it. But, no, um, you know, figure out what the next good indicated step for you is and have high targets, medium targets, and low targets, and then either hire someone who can help you achieve those and or, you know, do it, approach it yourself. And that's, that's what I would say about doing your own PR.
0: Awesome. We both think it's awesome, apparently. We, we both do, said right awesome at the, same time. <laughs> the exact same time. It's
1: good. It's a good word.
0: <laughs> I actually was criticized recently for saying awesome. Uh, somebody I'd met, they're like, can't you think of a better word? I'm like,
1: uh Yeah. a natural response. It is a natural <laughs> response. I agree. My Australian friends use uh, fabulous.
0: Fabulous. Try,
1: try that one.
0: That's more of an eccentric word to use over here. Yeah. Fabulous.
1: Yeah. Say, it's it's kind of cool, cool, though. Fabulous.
2: Sorry, awesome. I'll tell. Let's uh, let's uh, get everyone following you and finding you. Where can everyone find you online?
1: Uh, my social media drug of choice is Twitter. So you can <laughs> I like how you put that. Sorry. <laughs> you can follow me at CyberPR. C y b e r P R. You can follow the music stuff that goes on in the in the in the agency at CyberPR Music. You can follow Ashley and the team at Team CyberPR. So, those are the three handles for us. You can follow my small gray tabby cat at the Hunter thehuntercat. Um, so, that's, that's your choice. You can, there's lots of choices. So, people
0: don't want to follow you or they could follow both. You could follow. You know.
1: she, Hunty, Hunty doesn't tweet as much as I do because no. she doesn't have opposable thumbs, but you can certainly follow follow us
0: both yes go follow them both and as for me I'm writing my next solo album and you can hear my music on marcianovelli.com make sure to follow me on Twitter Facebook Instagram and Spotify which are all slash marcianovelli
2: I'm working on websites for various artists at the moment I'm also in the planning stages for a new book which I will Say more about at a later stage. You can see my work and blog posts at electrickiwi.co.uk. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram at ElectricKiwi and on Facebook, ElectricKiwi Design.
0: This episode was brought to you by Chris Keaton Presents. Find out more about what Chris does and how he can help you at chriskeaton.com.
2: And if you'd like to sponsor the show, visit patreon.com/slash bridge the Atlantic. Awesome. I did it again. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, just despite <laughs>
0: awesome. this person. Awesome! Awesome! Awesome. awesome, 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 awesome. Seriously though, this has been great. Uh, pleasure meeting you. Thanks you for too. introducing me, Ross. Thanks.
1: Thanks for the forty-five reschedules that you guys put up with. My God.
0: <laughs> um, it happens. You're busy. We'll have to. We'll have to write a press release about it.
1: Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Have a <laughs> great right. rest of your day.
0: You too. Talk soon. Thank you.
2: Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes.
0: You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome.
2: And we'll see you next week.